Hello and welcome to this week's instalment of Nucleus Investment Insights. We have another special guest this week in Philip Sues, who's an independent economist and PhD candidate investigating bank crime and mortgage control fraud. In today's interview, we discuss some of the finer details from the Royal Commission into the misconduct into banking, superannuation and the financial services industry, with a special focus on some of the startling revelations that transpired about our bank's mortgage lending behaviour. In doing his PhD in bank crime and mortgage control fraud, Phil sits in the perfect position to provide some serious insight into a major component of the Australian economy. After the interview, we then look at some of the wider investment implications that these themes can impact in how we invest money every day at Nucleus Wealth. So join Nucleus Wealth's Head of Investments, Damien Classen, our Chief Economist, Leith Van Onselen, and myself, as we learn more about the real impacts that banks are having on everyday Australians' lives, what looms in their future, and the future of the Australian property market. I hope you enjoy. So today on the podcast, we have an independent economist, PhD candidate investigating bank crime and mortgage control fraud, and co-author of the book Bubble Economics, Land Speculation from 1830 to 2013 with Paul Egan. Philip Sues, welcome back to Nucleus Investment Insights. Great to be here, Tim. So uh, after the last uh, 18 months of debating in Parliament as to, um, or sorry, after 18 months of debating in Parliament as to whether or not we should have a Royal Commission, we've now had public hearings over 68 days, over 130 witnesses and 10,000 public submissions provided, a number of banking elite heads have rolled, hospitalisations both physically and career-wise, uh, and now we've co- of course got a 1,000-page report telling us in essence that it is the fault of the regulators and mortgage brokers. Um, so I'll ask you the question that I, uh, that I asked uh, Graham Hand the other day, but given the depth of experience uh, and knowledge in bank culture, uh, I guess, did the Royal Commission meet your expectations around mortgage lending, Phil? Uh, a long story short, no. Okay, sure. That's as simple as it can be put. <laughs> and we knew that from the beginning, even before it started, because uh, the Liberal Party under uh, Turnbull and Morrison essentially sabotaged the uh, Royal Commission in, mm-hmm. in a number of ways. First, he had a sole conservative commissioner. It was only for one year. He had min- minimal resources. The terms of references were um, rather um, restricted. And so under those conditions, uh, you couldn't really expect that the Royal Commission, as competent as the commissioner and the um, um, QCs were, mm. that they could really do a thorough job in unva- um, unveiling all the criminality in the financial services industry. Yeah, okay, sure. And, and so obviously there was a number of recommendations that were put out from the short period of time um, in uh, uh, after the report came out. So there was, I think there were 76 in total. So do you feel that they encapsulated the, the areas that they looked at? Were they, were they sound? Given the restrictive terms of reference and what they managed to uncover in that short period of time, the recommendations were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, the first block that they looked at was uh, mortgage lending. And basically, Haynes said that existing law was quite sound. Mm. He did ask the questions, do we really need new laws or is it really a matter of enforcement? And I would agree with that because it's we've got all the laws on the books, all the regulations on the books to ensure prudent legal uh, lending standards. Um, the problem is as has been revealed by the Royal Commission, but we knew before that, was that 
there's simply um, not any uh, enforcement of uh, prudent lending standards. Um, and the main um, document that regulates this, the, the legislation is the um, NCCP Act mm -hmm. of 2009. And uh, uh, what's been revealed so far, um, including that, um, that very interesting uh, bite of the, uh, or, or portion of the uh, Westpac uh, uh, loan book, of 420 mortgages uh, shows that there must be a lot of uh, dodgy crap underneath. Mm, okay. And but we have all the laws and regulations to um, ensure that doesn't happen. It's just our useless uh, regulators, uh, all four of them—the Treasury, the RBA, APRA, and ASIC—simply have not been enforcing the rule of law. And as a consequence, a substantial proportion of the, um, the total loan book, especially for the big four, uh, must be pretty rotten. Mm. And so, one of the um, one of the issues, I guess, that, that sort of shows up within these is that, uh, as I said, it comes back to the regulators, and the regulators obviously have their who they've been appointed by 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 politicians usually, and and there's certain uh, there's a a whether it's uh, explicit or not, there's there's a bit of a nudge to say, well, these are the types of things we'd like you to look at, and these are the types of things we wouldn't like you to look at. So, so under that structure, has anything changed that if, if in five years' time we have a particularly housing-friendly um, and, and credit-friendly government that wants to really pump the, uh, the, the mortgages out there again, uh, is there anything that's been put in place from this Royal Commission that, that would prevent that from happening again? Well, the Royal Commission's a real game-changer, um, but I don't think it's so much that the, it's the... Um, uh, unveiling of these poor lending standards as really scared bankers. Really, it's only just one thing, and that's um, criminal prosecution. Mm. Um, that's what really scares um, bankers. Um, and of course, APRA um, has done basically nothing in terms of enforcement since 1998, we know that. And ASEC is barely any better. Um, uh, what's come out of the Royal Commission is that it's allowed Labor to really wedge the um, uh, Liberal National Party on um, housing and banking policy. And of course, Shorten and Bowen are making a lot of um, a political gain out of this lot of currency. And one thing they've really tried pushing for is um, criminal prosecutions, um, which of course we can't expect from the regulators, except now that the um, uh, uh, Shorten is really um, uh, pushing forward uh, with it. And he's also noted that if he wins the election, which seems uh, inevitable um, come May or June, that he wants to introduce a special prosecutor that will uh, uh, investigate uh, specifically a white-collar crime. Mm. And jail is the one thing that bankers fear above more, um, <laughs> above all. Yeah, oh, look, I'm, I'm completely with you on that point. I guess, you know, I think we spoke a lot last time as well. And if not with you, certainly with, with lots of other people, about that whole part about saying, you know, the, the penalty for most of these guys is they got a nice big salary. Some of them got to leave uh, with a payout as well. And shareholders get to pay whatever fines. So, you know, I'm with you on the, on the whole, your jail is going to, jail is going to actually make a difference. But I guess where I'm coming from is, um, when you have a royal commission and, and the person basically says, "Look, everything's right. You just you just weren't enforcing the laws uh, to date. You go out there and start enforcing them." Is that there's this short term push, and, and maybe maybe you get a government in that that actually does push it. But I guess there's nothing preventing another government in maybe it's ten years time, and you know, once or fifteen years time, a certain length of time for 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 people to start forgetting, and, and they start saying, "Well, we've got to just go light on these guys because we really want to get you know." really want to get the, the credit out there and get things going 
is we could be we could be in exactly the same place. I guess there's nothing structurally changed. No, at this point in time, nothing. You know, there's been no major changes to our banking system, mm. um, it, and uh, uh, to law as well. Yeah, and um, and no one's got a jail yet. Yeah, that, yeah. that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. um, but the, another interesting um, fact uh, factor that's come along is uh, class action lawsuits. Mm, absolutely, um, yep. with um, Morris Blackburn. Yeah, um, uh, coming forward with uh, class the first class action um, on the topic of um, uh, unaffordable lending, mm. uh, which hit the news uh, about a fortnight ago, mm. and that's uh, another thing that could um, uh, scare the banks into um, at least following the rule of law around prudent lending um, in the near future. Yeah, uh, but, but but the same token is if 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 there's a big class action and and you know Westpac has to pay out. Five hundred million dollars to to a bunch of people. Same thing. It's like, well, I, I still got my big salary for. If, if you're an, an executive, there still got a big salary for it. Uh, the shareholders paying the fine. Maybe the executive has to leave. Maybe they just get a wrap over the knuckles and you know don't do it again type stuff. Cost yeah. of business. Yep, pretty much. And so th- these are all short term things. Um, but structurally in the system, nothing's um, preventing another um, outburst of growth uh, over the long term. But in the immediate future, the next uh, year, 2019, 2020, um, for the time being, it looks like credit growth will pull certainly uh, yeah, pull back and um, yeah. will come down sharply yeah. um, over the long term. Who knows? Yeah. And so, and so sorry, yeah. our, um, our macro view has been that, you know, this is enough. This credit tightening, um, there's no, plus another, a few things going on. But this, this has been, a, you know, the real prime driver of, of the housing market sort of falling away and that... Um, we sort of had this this question mark before we'd seen the um, what what Hayden was going to say, saying, "Well, could could the credit availability come back if he comes back with quite concrete recommendations about about these things, and, and banks could see what the what the penalties were and what the rules are?" But given he's actually sort of offset a lot of that to this Westpac case and said, "Well, I can't, I shouldn't comment on that." To me, that just creates another. Um, that just creates another sort of air pocket where bankers won't get out and lend because they they just don't know what the rules actually are. And so if you don't know what the rules are, then you, then you'll be more conservative until you actually see the results of this this case. Is that your view as well, or oh yes, absolutely. Um, because um, uh, waiting upon this uh, uh, law case, it's mm. simply creating too much uncertainty. Mm. So in the meantime, the, the banks will, will just be adopting a, a more conservative position. And we'll probably just choose and wait and see what happens. But definitely, um, if you look, if you read the um, the law, the NCCP Act, it specifically states that banks must make um, reasonable steps to verify uh, borrowers' income, their expenses, mm. and any existing debts that they have. And we know from what's been uh, what bits and pieces have been um, leaking out um, in terms of research. Um, such as the Westpac data set or the APRA's uh, targeted review mm-hmm. um, that was done in 2016 and it showed that the mortgage systems were a total mess um, and so on. So, yeah. do, do, do you think, um, we were sort of speaking before about the, um, I guess, the, the criminality aspect, right? And there's obviously a number of different parts to play and people doing the wrong thing, but one of them is um, the, the ability to use that, that HEM, the yeah. Household Expenditure is it methodology or measurement um, to to potentially hide behind because they can say, oh well, we're just using an industry standard measure of um, you know expenditure, and therefore we could green light 
you know, 99% of <laughs> mortgages through mm. that came across the desk when, you know, upon further uh, review probably weren't as, um, as sound as possible. Is that sort of something, is this going back to Hain saying, oh, well, look, the rules are in, the laws are in place, you just need to make sure that they're being followed, where for mine, if you're using something like this HEM method, are you, are you then following by the rules and is, it, is that the bit that needs to be readjusted to, to tighten up, um, you know, ill ill-written loans essentially or oh absolutely yeah. um if you look into the origins of the hem it's basically a weapon of accounting control fraud mm. um, there is absolutely no way that the hem is a valid measurement of any household at the average the median or even um you know, lower income households uh, ex- annual expenditures it's, it's a relative poverty measure <laughs> That, that that's meant to capture the bottom 25% of households. Hmm, okay. they're, sorry, they're, the, the bare minimum expenditure by the bottom 25% of households in order to be able to live. Yep. Yet the Royal Commission found that about half of mortgages were being issued uh, whereby the lenders had used the HEM as, yep. as the uh, to, to, to measure expenditure. So, so, so it's a simple sign-off using that as opposed to going, okay, we're going to actually run the books and, and yeah, make sure so, everything stacks so, up. So obviously, if, you know, if, if you look at a if you look at a borrower and you go, okay, here's here's the borrower's uh, expenditure, which is based on the household expenditure measure, mm-hmm. and that's based on the bottom twenty five percent of households, the minimum they need. Sorry, the yeah, the their, their sort of poverty level of spending. Well, obviously, you can lend a lot more mm. um, because the the expenses have been uh, massively undershot, and that's basically what happened. Yep. So um, yeah, it's. Yeah, it's and actually, just, just, just for the uh, listeners, well, just want to define control fraud and what you mean by, by when you say this is control fraud. Sure. It's the uh, term that was created by an academic, I believe, is probably the world's leading um, specialist in um, understanding and um, combating uh, uh, corporate and uh, banker uh, white collar crime, uh, Professor William K. Black, who's been around in the US for decades. Um, he helped clean up the savings and loan debacle, warned about the GFC and so on. And it was predictably ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, industry and the government hate his guts, obviously. Um, and so he created this term called control fraud. And, and that's um, basically um, a model, a way of um, uh, looking at fraud that's, um, that differs from low-level, street-level um, fraud. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, in, in the case of banks and other uh, corporates, you have the controllers of the firm, uh, the executives and the managers who, who use the institution to commit um, fraud and to defraud um, you know, borrowers, shareholders, uh, um, others, uh, other clients and so on. Um, and specifically uh, with control fraud, the, the fraudsters do not commit the crimes in their, in their own personal capacity. They use the institution as a weapon and a shield. Mm-hmm. Um, to go out and strike against the victims, but also use the the private bureaucracy and their immense um, resources, especially um, in terms of hiring the, the best lawyers in the country, to um, as a shield to protect themselves against you know the rather pitiful uh, regulators that we have these days. Mm, okay, and that explains the term uh, control fraud. Actually, can I just can I just jump back to this credit credit yeah, thing? Yeah, so, yeah, so just just in terms of timing, then from your perspective. The Westpac case, I understand, you know, you're probably six months to 12 months at least to get some sort of resolution from that. Am I in the right time frame for, for that type of this? Uh, sorry, the, I guess what I'm talking about is credit availability. When, when can we actually expect banks to, to have some more certainty so that they might, you know, they might actually be able to start lending again and, and, and listening to the exhortations of our, our treasurer and, and prime minister to get out and, mm. and lend for the good of the country? 
Well, certainly, um, you know, with the ASIC uh, versus um, Westpac case, um, who knows how long it could, it could take. Um, certainly, the um, the justice uh, who was overseeing the case uh, wasn't happy with their initial resolution. Mm. So now ASIC has to go back to the drawing board and, and really um, put forward solid arguments and a lot of evidence that um, you know, why the HM is not um, should not be used mm. and why um, Westpac um, uh, breached uh, prudent or what we call responsible lending obligations. Um, you know that could take six to twelve months, and I'm pretty sure that um, uh, if the justice does the right thing and, and by the black let, uh, letter of the law will decide that the HEM is not um, suitable whatsoever. Yep. And to, to give you an idea of why the banks love the HEM, um, I've been look, um, examining the um, ABS catalogues around, um, uh, say, uh, oh, just take the typical first home buyer. They've got a net, say, after post-tax income of about 100 grand a year. Mm-hmm. They've got non-debt expenses of about $67,000 a year, which leaves a net household income of about $33,000, which can uh, serve as a loan. Now, given um, constraints, say a principal interest uh, mortgage over 25 years uh, with with a minimum uh, floor of uh, interest rate floor of 7%, which Mm -hmm. is currently enforced by um, APRA, Mm -hmm. the most that they can borrow is about $410,000. Now, if you use the HEM instead, the basic variant, which is about $34,000, that means that they've got about uh, $66,000 in net income. And under those conditions, that same household can then um, take out a maximum loan size of about uh, $760,000. So that's pretty much half half the expenses and double the loan capacity. That's Mm. right. And so if you combine it in with other so-called modifications such as banks um, conveniently not in, um, uh, not including other existing debts that the borrower has, mm-hmm. um, not applying a proper um, interest rate buffer, and then um, inflating um, incomes, if you put all that together, um, to say you use, they use a ham, they um, cut down the interest rate buffer a little bit, they inflate income by about 10% and ignore existing debts, then they can take up easily over a million dollar loan. Mm. And that's principal and interest. If you just look at interest only, they can take out so much more. Yep. And all of these you know, convenient adjustments by the banks over the years, it's what's allowed them to issue you know, so many mega mortgages out there yep. and consequently, consequently explains why property prices, especially Melbourne and Sydney, are just sky high. Yep, okay, sure. Um, we might move across to um, one of the, the other key, somewhat surprising, I think, uh, outcomes from the report, which was the focus on the mortgage broking side of credit creation as opposed to the banks. Um, uh, the, uh, there was a recommendation come through that the mortgage broker's uh, remuneration structure, which is typically quite a high upfront uh, with a, a smaller trail, um, was to be, you know, should ideally be reviewed and perhaps to be taken uh, either removed or, or having some sort of a fixed cost, which rather than coming from the product itself was was actually borne by the client, could be folded into the loan, but then, you know, essentially it was like a fee-for-service sort of arrangement, perhaps with a, a financial advisor where you just paid, you know, three or 4000 up front <laughs> as a bill, um, which, you know, was broadly seen to be a pretty big departure from the current status quo, product-provided fees as opposed to the um, the new sort of fee-for-service. What, what were your thoughts on that? 
Well, it was rather surprising um, the focus that Hain had on um, the whole mortgage broker network rather than the banks. Mm. And it's really the, the lenders who are the villains, um, even though they like to hide behind the broker network and, and blame all the deficiencies upon the brokers, where, of course, it, it's the banks who ultimately make the originations. They're the ones with the gigantic amount of resources to do proper underwriting mm. of, of their loans. Mm. And so uh, the banks do like hiding behind the um, brokers. And it, it's quite unfortunate that Hain has really focused upon the network rather than the lenders. Nevertheless, he was correct in his criticisms of the uh, broker network because you've basically got a poor incentive structure there where you've got the, um, the bank paying both the upfront up um, commission plus the trailing fee uh, commission over the um, life of the loan. And that, of course, uh, provides an incentive to brokers to try and uh, maximise the loan, mm. including taking out a loan which may not be in the best interests of the, um, the, the borrower. Mm-hmm. And this is what the, um, the big uh, Productiv- Productivity Commission report on the banking sector last year pointed out as well. And so it's a pretty obvious um, perverse incentive. Mm. And I think it would be better if um, it switched to simply a, a, a larger um, upfront fee that the um, borrower pays mm-hmm. uh, upon uh, the successful approval of a loan. Um, but of course, the, um, uh, the broker network was uh, up in arms, very furious about this. And it's unfortunate that Bowen, um, previous to the uh, publish, um, the release of the uh, final report, um, said that Labor would implement all recommendations, hands down. And uh, now uh, both Shorten and Bowen has backtracked mm. on implementing um, uh, this recommendation, which is a bit disappointing. Yeah, and also I think I think Labor said that they want to um, cap um, fees at like one point two five percent of the loan amount and paid for by the lender. But that doing a percentage fee still gives the incentive to write a bigger loan. It does. Yeah. So it doesn't really undo any of the perverse incentives, except maybe getting rid of some trailing commission. Um, so it's yeah, he's, he's they've really dropped the ball on that one. And and I'll just add also that. Um, Analysis by UBS and others has found that broker originated loans were uh, were uh, were of much lower standard mm. and also have higher arrears rates than, um, than 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 the bank originated loans. So there, so there is certainly a problem there. Although obviously the buck eventually ends with the bank. Yeah, and then this is sort of uh, speaks really to that that larger problem where you've got. Um, and anecdotally, I've heard where the banks would actually um, school the broker arms, the various broker arms, um, on how to massage deals into the various banks. So, you know, whilst the, it originated at a broker, it's been it's had a little bit of help from the bank along the way. And I only hear this, you know, hear this out. Don't really read about it a little bit in the paper. Um, but the other thing too is, of course, the secondary um, tier lenders have who have got who don't have bank branches and networks and, and interfaces with the public and so effectively you know nine times out of ten every time i've gone to a broker i've always ended up with some um institution that i can't just walk in a front door to get um so what are your thoughts around that is it is it it's quite a difficult um scenario to sort of please the the ability or the you know the current uh, products that are out there that aren't that aren't bank originated essentially or major bank originated um, and so, yeah, what, what are your thoughts in, I guess, how, how, does, how does that commission structure go? Do, do we go to a fixed fee or do we go to a percentage base for the actual loan itself? Or is there some sort of due diligence that needs to be done to ensure that, that the broker is not convincing, you know, mum and dad client that they can borrow so much more and therefore they get the commission? You know, is it, is it sort of, yeah, how does that work, do you think? Well, I think Leith is right in that um, you know, Short and Bowen's um, 
new policy basically doesn't change the, per- the perverse incentive if the bank is paying it, one, mm. and two, it's still based upon um, a percentage of the loan size, yep. which means they still have the incentive to lend out uh, uh, larger loans. Yep. So I think the only way you can deal with this is a, f- um, uh, a fixed fee yep. um, to the broker upon the successful approval of a loan to a borrower. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the reasons that uh, Bowen uh, backed off is that, you know, there were, uh, it was a scare, you know, brokers are going to lose their jobs and, you know, thousands gone and, and so on. And I think that was um, one of the things that um, really got them to uh, push back. But it's also um, the lack of competition in our highly concentrated banking system mm. where we've got the, um, on, on the world stage, we've got the most concentrated um, uh, big four banks in, in the West, mm. uh, which is quite astounding. And... Uh, over 50% of loans uh, now originated through the broker network. And of course, uh, a lot of those second-tier lenders, including non-bank lenders, are very much reliant upon brokers. Mm. And we do need that competition because uh, endless analysis has shown that their um, fees and their interest rates on their mortgages are more competitive than the big four. Yep. So we still need brokers, but we need to get rid of those perverse incentives. Mm. Okay, sure. Fantastic. Um, coming back to the uh, back to the banks a little bit just in terms of uh, trying to work out whether any of them distinguish themselves positively or negatively I guess the the, the the sort of the outsider's view when looking at it was you needed to be particularly contrite when you when you, t- when you showed up to the, to the to the Royal Commission and if you were and, and you got you know your CBA and you, you got rid of your CEOs early and hey here's the guy who was warning us about it let's put let's put him in and you can be particularly contrite then you can probably get away with some of the I guess the worst Behaviour which seemed to be worse than, than someone like Nav, who who wasn't as contrite, but um, seemed to end up in more trouble in the um, in, in, in the report. Uh, the um, uh, the behaviour of um, Thorburn and um, especially Ken Henry was just appalling. Mm. You would expect someone who was a former Secretary of the Treasury of all people uh, to be uh, bend, have, bend the knee. <laughs> yeah, but to be somewhat more humble. Mm. Um, yeah, in the Royal Commission, but. I've no idea what came over him. I, I think I think it was because um, having worked at the Treasury and watched these guys in action, uh, when they do Senate estimates, it's very combative. So they're um, so you know if you're a head of a department, you turn up to Senate estimates, you're expected to argue. And I think he then took the same approach to the Royal Commission, not knowing his audience, mm. and um, and he obviously got caned as a result. And the, and the interesting thing is, Nabs uh, probably nowhere near the worst when it comes to this sort of stuff. Yet they seem to be the ones who are in a scapegoat, which is kind of a bit perverse, purely because they are arrogant in front of the stand. Whereas if you actually look at the mortgage books and etc., I wouldn't argue Nabs, you know, near the top. They actually got pretty small uh, percentage of you know mortgage lending compared to Westpac and CBA and etc. Yeah, definitely. Um, out of the before the Westpac and the CBA probably um, have the most um, uh, amount of control fraud in their loan books, but uh, NAB. Uh, can't be excused because of what's been going on in their farming and business lending portfolios. And um, probably the one academic in the country who, who's been writing about this over the last couple of decades has been now a retired um, professor of economics at Sydney University, um, Professor Evan Jones. Mm. And he's written a, a lot over the last two decades about um, um, the real predations that have gone on uh, by the, the banks against um, farmers and um, uh, small, uh, small business, medium-sized enterprises. And um, unfortunately, at the head of those um, big four banks um, who are screwing over um, the, those types, 
has been the NAB. Mm, okay. um, but unfortunately, that didn't really come to the head in the um, uh, Royal Commission. If it was a much more... Um, yeah, if the Royal Commission was far larger, you know, you had half a decade, you had a, a, a number of commissioners, you had more resources, uh, open um, terms of reference, we could unveil all these kinds of things um, in the mortgage books, in, in um, you know, the farmers, um, small business and so on. They were, um, the Royal Commission simply did not have that opportunity. Mm, okay, sure. Uh, uh, but so and so, you haven't mentioned ANZ out of the out of the big four. So is that, is that do they end up by not exactly? Yeah, you know, I don't think any of the banks covered themselves with glory, but I guess they they maybe had the, the least stench on them. Is that the... Yeah, pretty much. Um, Shane Elliott um, gave good performance um, at the um, Royal Commission. No doubt, this was all highly practiced uh, with their um, professionals behind the closed doors. Yeah. Um, uh, prepared to um, answer any kind of question that would uh, come across mm. and so on. Um, so all of them generally gave a good performance except for the NAB, mm. um, which was pretty disgraceful on Ken Henry's part, yes. which is why he's um, no longer there. Mm. Okay. We, we might, um, we'll move uh, topics a touch uh, with, with the segue of obviously the Royal Commission being very uh, lending-focused and now we're staring down the barrel of uh, double-digit falls in the Australian property prices. So um, what are your thoughts for the Royal Commission in terms of the Australian property market? I've got to, well, it has got to de-accelerate credit growth, mm. therefore stopping the number of hands that go up at auctions. So uh, what are your thoughts? And also, and also how much they can bid. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a game-changer. Uh, obviously, the Royal Commission isn't the um, investigation I had hoped for, but nevertheless, it still scared the bankers enough, um, even before the... Um, the Royal Commission even began um, early last year. Um, in fact, it, um, the, the credit started um, uh, to slow in uh, late 2017, and um, that's when uh, property prices peaked. Yep. And uh, you know, it, it's starting to fall quite fast. And uh, about a fortnight ago, Lindsay David and I re released a report um, called uh, Let the Bloodbath Begin, where we looked at um, um, the trends in um, the debt accelerator, um, credit growth, and... Um, uh, we counted um, 18 um, sizable headwinds um, facing the uh, finance and um, housing market. 18? 18. Wow. And, um, yeah, news.com.au and the AFR covered that. Um, and macro business. <laughs> and of, of course. <laughs> but um, some others, like the Australian, um, uh, the SMH and uh, the ABC, refused to do so. Wow, okay. Uh, and they're the, the, they're the main... Um, uh, outlets uh, in this country. Do you mind give us a quick um, handful of, of key points from that one, from the 18? Yeah, sure. Um, That's a bit of a taste for people wanting to check it out. Uh, so we've got the um, uh, a few big ones. Um, uh, for instance, we've got the large tsunami of um, conversion from um, interest only to principal and interest. Mm -hmm. And according to um, RBA and UBS analysis, um, we've got about $120 billion in um, interest only loans rolling over um, um, last year, this year, um, 2020, 2021, and eventually it, it tapers off. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it peaks this year and next year. Mm -hmm. bigger. Well, it depends. Um, if you look at the RBA graph, it says this year. If yep. you look at UBS, it's, it's next, next year. year. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. but, but it's yeah, this year or next year. It's yeah. and, and this was one we, we had discussion about this a couple of, uh, maybe a couple of months ago, just on saying uh, I think most of the banks were uh, well in front of their, their sort of rollover um, targets in terms of that. Mm -hmm. But the question for me is, well, 
doesn't that mean you're, you're asking everyone you can and you've rolled over people who actually can, which means a lot of the book you've got left to the ones who just went, no, 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 I can't afford that. <laughs> and so you, it's going to get progressively harder as you get start getting into that back half of the, the book. Yeah, mm-hmm. of, yeah, no doubt the um, banks would have um, rolled over their, um, the, the, the more well-situated um, um, interest-only um, borrowers. Low-hanging fruit. That's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but then left the um, harder ones. But uh, Lindsay and I, we, we know people who work inside the banks and um, what, what they're saying is that they're giving the ones who simply can't afford the principal and interest conversion, mm-hmm. they're giving them an extended 12 months simply to sell their property, yeah, whether it's right. their home or their investment property, right. um, rather than um, rolling it over. Yep. So they keep it on in, um, interest only for that period, but they have to um, uh, sell. And so it, it makes it look like a voluntary sale rather than an eventual... Uh, um, Bank force. Sort of uh, yeah, foreclosure. Yeah, well. so, it, so it doesn't appear, appear as a, um, a non-performing loan. Yeah, and yeah. it's also worth pointing out at this point, in two mark, two major markets, Sydney and Perth, we've got both property values and rents falling, which is going to squeeze, if you're an investor with a you know principal and uh, mm. interesting loan, get to rather principal and interest. Mm. You're facing not just falling, a big fall in property values, but also your income from those properties via yep. rents is now falling as well. So yeah, you're sort of stuck in this pincer. Double whack of um, yeah. principal and yeah, missing rent. Yes. Causing, yeah, sure. Nasty. Yep. Okay, sure thing. Um, so and speaking just a bit further about the, the property prices, um, how much further do you think we've got to go? Well, that's a big question, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, now you get uh, mainstream, you know, as Apple Pie institutions like AMP, Morgan Stanley, UBS, now saying... Um, yeah, there's going to be a peak to trail declines in Melbourne and Sydney house prices in nominal terms of about um, uh, 25%. Mm-hmm. And in uh, UBS's uh, risk-laden case, even up to uh, 30%. Um, and it's interesting to see the progression of forecasts. So if you look in 2017, uh, you know, the analysts were basically saying, okay, uh, prices are going to increase over the year uh, by 10%. Mm-hmm. Then it was 5%. Then it was 0, negative 5 Da, 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 da. And now you've got down to um, a negative 30 yeah. um, um, as a maximum fall. Um, but it all depends upon um, the, the government's inevitable um, uh, interventions. Mm-hmm. Now, the usual two interventions that have worked over the past that Howard and Rudd used. Um, so you had uh, uh, the usual interest rate cuts. Mm-hmm. Almost every time that um, annual house price um, prices have fallen, the RBA has cut, mm-hmm. which has then re- helped to reinflate. Um, now, the We'll cover that first. The um, thing about the RBA is that they've basically um, uh, emptied out their ammunition. Mm-hmm. Um, they made foolish cuts in 2016 they shouldn't have. And now with a policy rate of 1.5%, um, they've got little um, leeway to cut further, uh, especially given that Australia is a, a small nation, a resource exporter, and above all, a capital importer. Mm. And so there's only so far you can lower the interest rates. And due to the APRA's enforcement of the uh, minimum 7% um, interest um, rate um, floor, um, uh, RBA cuts will have zero benefit for new borrowers. Mm. And for existing borrowers, it's going to be a negligible benefit because of the bank's uh, funding costs. Yep. And you've got a potential 50 uh, basis points um, pressure for mm-hmm. funding cost rise. So um, it's very unlikely the banks are going to pass on even even a, 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 um, a large minority of these uh, future cuts later this year. So, so in layman's terms, as the RBA um, continues to sort of um, ease and, and cut rates, then the, the end borrower doesn't actually see any, um, any any upside from that essentially because the, um, 
the, the banks are just going to keep taking that on board, just keep Pretty much. that away. Plus, plus probably the, big, the bigger thing, rather than the cost of credit, is the availability. So, so if the availability stays, um, stays you know, crimped as mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. and borrowers can't borrow that much, even if they can borrow a slight bit cheaper, well, not going to be much. Mm. It's not going to help property that much because um, you know, they, they, they still don't have the ability to bid up house prices. Mm. Mm. And, and so the 7%... Um, that APRA is using at the moment. How uh, how set in stone is that? Oh, very. Um, we know that um, th- through uh, talk in the um, PAC channels that um, uh, leading up to Christmas, both big four banks and the RBA lobbied APRA to reduce that um, minimum floor. Right. Um, but APRA finally did something right in its miserable life and, and it uh, said no and we're going to keep it. And uh, APRA research at the moment shows that the... Um, the bank's average um, interest rate floor is 7.3%. Mm, okay. Um, so it's building, um, it's forcing the banks to build in quite a sizable um, uh, buffer mm. to shield against future rate rises, uh, whatever the source of that may be, um, including income and unemployment shocks as well. Mm. And given the weakness in our labour market, um, that's uh, quite a smart um, thing to um, uh, incorporate. So, so you mentioned before the two levers that can be pulled. So one is obviously the RBA cutting rates. What was the, the second one? Oh, the, the cash. <laughs> cash, cash, cash. Pretty much the... Um, Kevin 57s. Was it? No, the television. <laughs> yeah, the... Um, no, no. It was, it was the first home the owner's grant and okay. the boost. Yep. Um, how, both Howard and Rudd used that to um, great effect. Mm-hmm. Um, as we saw, um, both investor and owner-occupier property um, uh, flow through the roof um, when that was um, offered in 2000 and, uh, 2008. But this time around, um, the fortunate thing is that due to all these restrictions, any benefit to um, uh, new buyers from a, a, a revamped um, grant will be fairly minimal due, mm-hmm. to, um, due to the um, serviceability restrictions. Yep. But of course, we, we can fully expect the federal and the state governments to get in on the act. Probably maybe later this year when things get started, get um, the um, panic mode really starts to set in. Well, mm-hmm. actually, some of the state governments already have. We have uh, New South Wales and Victoria did stamp duty concessions for first home buyers on, mm-hmm. on one July twenty seventeen, and, that, and that's you know, if anything, the price falls that we've had in Melbourne and Sydney would have been bigger without it. Mm-hmm. Uh, WA's um, implemented a pretty big first home buyers grant, and Darwin, not that it's a tiny market, but Darwin has done the mother of all first home buyers grants. We're talking tens of thousands of dollars mm. um, for both construction and new. Uh, yep. So, you know, the, the, the states and territories are already moving. Yep, okay. But, but, and, and just to clarify as well, so, so we've obviously all sounded relatively negative on first home buyer grants. Um, it might sound like a good thing to the, to, the, to the individual, but, you know, I guess my perspective certainly, and I think well, certainly what flows from macro business is that uh, all that happens is that just gets capitalised in, in terms of higher prices. Is that... Assuming that's something you agree with, based on your, oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. including all the leverage, especially yeah. in a normal market. Oh, sorry, a normal yeah. credit market. Mm-hmm. Probably less so now, just because it's so tight. That yeah, yeah. that's the thing. So um, the traditional methods of um, in, uh, interest rate cuts and first home and grants will be very negligible, which is I think a, a good thing at this time. Mm-hmm. And so the government actually has um, uh, much fewer policy, effective policy options to reinflate uh, prices. Mm. So they're, they're a bit trapped. And also, um, I'd like to make the point that both Shorten and uh, Bowen, they've really um, shot themselves in the foot. Uh, they've cornered themselves because they've been making such um, uh, political gains correctly by wedging the, um, the liberals on, um, uh, on these issues of banking and housing affordability and so on. Um, all, all they're doing is that they're ensuring 
uh, price drops are going to be um, uh, even harder. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's it's looking that there could well be a recession uh, on, on their hands by, you know, maybe end of this year, maybe uh, next year. Mm. And, of course, um, the Liberals will come back with a... Um, we're with a lot of um, political gain on that. Yep. Plus, uh-huh. plus Labor's committed to doing their negative gearing and see capital gains That's back right. stuff, which, you know, obviously be a further punch in the face. Yep. St. Thomas foreign buyers leave. So, yep. uh, yeah. yeah and, that, and that's another big um, um, issue that our housing market is facing is that China's capital controls um, and must be really biting at the moment because, as we're seeing from the various um, uh, uh, graphs out there, yep. uh, foreign buying uh, as a percentage of both um, new and existing uh, dwellings has just collapsed. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, not only uh, and not only um, are they not buying now, but they we, we now have evidence, especially from the United States, that um, a lot of these foreign buyers, including Chinese, are now selling up and repatriating a foreign currency back to the homeland. Wow! Yep. And so, there's been quite a reversal uh, in the last uh, year or so, and um, everything looks like it's going to um, uh, pick up pace. And uh, and, and Labor's also committed to um, finally, after 12 years of promising, uh, implementing the um, anti-money laundering laws for real estate. Mm. Um, basically, long story short, Australia's got the weakest money laundering laws in the world, and there's been pressure from the... Uh, developed in, world. In the developed world, sorry. Yeah. Uh, and there's been pressure from the um, global regulator, the Financial Action Task Force, a whole bunch of other... Um, in, agencies for us to tighten them and the financial task force is due to come back to australia in september uh, to do its mutual valuation and the last one they did in 2015 basically said that we're a money we're a haven for money laundering um especially from china and it's threatened to um shame us unless Mm. we do it and uh, as a response labor's committed to finally doing that and that should um you know at the margin also uh you know clamp down on foreign buyers so okay yeah just another another headwind yep yep after all, we had the um, the recent Four Corners expose on uh, Project Dragon, mm-hmm. yep. and um, every um, new um, anti money laundering um, or capital flight uh, program that China is bringing in is has been progressively um, um, more stricter and uh, casting a, a wider net um, as well. Yep. And, and they're simply ramping this up, uh, which is uh, good news from an affordability perspective. Um, uh, in our housing market, mm. just just a couple of quick ones on um, some of the labour proposed changes as well, Phil. Um, so obviously, um, if I, tell me if I've got this right, but I believe they're going to wind back the ability to use your superannuation or the super system to purchase houses as well. So I don't think it was broadly uh, very widely used anyway. So it's a bit of a. I think they might be just trimming some policy and headache. Um, the other one though was so changing the negative gearing for new builds and obviously that plays right into um, the labor playbook because it's jobs for the boys and all the rest of it but does that in effect is that going to create a crowding effect for first home buyers who typically would look into those newer subdivisions and cheaper cheaper end of the market where the new builds are more prevalent do you think is that is that going to be potentially a bit of a feedback situation well with this new policy it's actually quite indeterminate because we've never had these kinds of um, uh, specific reforms before um, in our history. So uh, no one can be um, sure exactly what's going to happen to um, uh, owner occupiers or to first home buyers or uh, to investors. Mm. Um, obviously, you know, all this nonsense that the industry is bringing out, like the real estate institutes about how it's going to destroy our housing market and so on. You know, um, the, the idiot treasurer is coming out with his, you know, Labor's big new housing tax and so on, which is just ridiculous. Because if you look at the one big housing tax of all, which has simply been rising land prices over the last 20 years, mm. which has massively indebted our country, including um, 
uh, the youth and future gen- generations. Mm. That's the biggest tax of all. But if you look at it, Frydenberg and the Liberals and the real estate industry, they're the ones who have been in the lead in, in inflating uh, this housing tax. Mm, mm. But you're not supposed to talk about rising land prices as a private tax, which of course it is. Yeah, okay. Um, now, I think it's indeterminate. It's just wait and see. But the thing about it is that Australia has, um, as the IMF showed, has the world's largest ta- tax expenditures um, in the OECD, and a large portion of that is um, housing rorts. Yeah, sorry. And so, just to clarify, what you mean by how, by tax expenditures is tax breaks? Um, tax breaks. Yeah. yeah, basically okay. um, expenditures or concessions or basically rorts is what they are because they pretty much flow to the already wealthy, the high income earners mm. who, who simply don't need it, and it has a um, a role to play in inflating our property prices. Um, the thing about it is that I oppose on political grounds um, short and making um, these changes to uh, negative carrying and capital gains tax because they're so minor. He, uh, he's expending a lot of um, political um, capital mm-hmm. on trying to get, the, uh, get this through. Whereas, um, and they probably have a, probably a modest effect in reducing house prices where I think that he, and of course he, he's you know, predictably being attacked by the industry and by um, the Liberals. So what I think they could have done better is simply to ignore that mm. and just to focus on enforceable responsible lending mm-hmm. and that in itself will collapse prices by 50% mm. if they can follow through and ensure responsible lending obligations are enforced. Okay. Yeah, fantastic. And then, um, you know, once the inevitable downturn happens, um, they, 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 they then can create a political narrative saying, okay, the reason why we had this bust in the first place is because we had all this um, odious negative gearing and, and the tax breaks for um, uh, property investors and say the home wasn't subject properly to land tax and so on, mm-hmm. that would make it much more politically smoother for the ALP to get proper um, um, housing tax reform through. Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay, great one to finish on. Um, okay, very good, mate. So uh, how can our listeners follow some more uh, about yourself and, and the work that you're doing? Um, just follow me on Twitter and the uh, reports that I release and so on. Okay. Yeah. What's your Twitter handle? It's um, at Philip Seuss. Okay. Fantastic. I'll stick that in the show notes. So, look, thanks very, uh, very much for your time today. And, and it was, uh, I think it's been quite revealing. It's a great build on from uh, the last time we had you on the show. And uh, we look forward to, of course, getting you on uh, sometime soon as well. Thanks, Phil. Great to be here. Cheers, mate. Thanks. So, Damien, another great chat with uh, Phil Seuss. Always a pleasure to have him on the show. Very knowledgeable guy and um, has some, obviously, uh, very strong and well-reasoned views behind the, the state of the Australian banks and what needs to be done going forward. Uh, yeah, yeah. And look, certainly, um, yeah, so, so a, uh, an Australian expert on, on, that, on the control fraud that he spoke about, which is, uh, which is always interesting and, and trying to work out what that means from a, from a valuation perspective because... Um, uh, unfortunately, control fraud is is also a very profitable exercise, and so it's a question about timing for a lot of this stuff. And and, and you know, if you're looking at investment markets where where things are moving in particular directions, and, and regulations is going to be um, is going to be lighter or, or, or heavier, then then companies certainly profit from from those or, or lose out. Mm. And, and so uh, it is a um, you know, often it's coming back to the the moral parts of these and saying, well, yes, this shouldn't be happening, but it is happening and it's very profitable for the, the people doing it. And so where does where does that fit within the whole um, the whole the whole spectrum? Mm. And um, and and obviously as well that you know we spoke um, what was quite interesting and, and sort of as we're going through that we're talking about the competition side and and how uh, you know the bank lobbyists are, are, are obviously hard at work trying to. Uh, turn a, uh, a loss into a win, or at least a, a less of a loss by 
by uh, you know doing things on the, on say mortgage broking or, or other things where uh, it, it may actually result in in less competition and 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 you know, bigger profit margins for the uh, for the players involved and so that's sort of one thing to, to keep an eye on as well as just as as the lobbyists get involved um, you know which which areas are going to be winning and which ones are going to be losing um, do, do you think this um, the Royal Commission or even just the, the specter of the Royal Commission has meant um, significant uh, impacts for the bank's bottom line and what I mean by that is there's obviously core banking, uh, role to play in the economy, being you know, you know, in this case, housing credit creation. Um, but there is also a number of ancillary uh, parts or departments of the bank, which, from my reading, have been scaled back over the last sort of 12, 24 months um, mm. for various reasons. Quite a lot to do with the fact they probably didn't want a lot, a lot of light shone on them. Um, is that something that comes into play as an investment manager that when you look at, um, you know, yeah, companies under pressure, like from from revenue areas. <laughs> I, th- I think the key thing for the from the Royal, coming from the Royal Commission was that um, there weren't any uh, particular. Uh, Demands in terms of structural separation and, and things like that, which which would have detracted from value. So from from a from an individual company perspective within a, within a broader economy, um, I I sort of feel as if the banks actually came out of the Royal Commission relatively well in terms of what they they need to do. Mm. The what overshadows that and by far overshadows that, that in the short term is is this issue with the, the credit and the housing market. Mm, okay. Is basically going through that whole if you've blown a bubble and the bubble's been because you've been lending people. As Phil spoke about, almost twice as much as what they they should have been able to lend under under responsible lending laws. Mm. There's there are some issues about uh, class actions and and you know various things like that. But the bigger issue is now that the credit has dramatically slowed. If you can't speed that back up again, and you're seeing other factors on the housing market, then uh, you know the housing market will will continue to fall until yep. you see some some resolution. Either, either prices get back to levels where people can afford them uh, yep. under under responsible lending laws. Or um, uh, yeah, or they keep to you know they keep keep sliding. Do, and, and from a um, from the view that obviously people when we spoke about before of you know through this issue this HEM measure household expenditure measure um, have, you know in, in essence been able to borrow twice as much as they potentially should have been. Mm. Um, it's just going to obviously there's a potential now for defaults where people have borrowed an amount of money that they probably couldn't have ever been able to pay off. Now whether or not that gets worked out in a court scenario or they just figure it out themselves. Um, falling house prices. Does this mean um, that this is a this is an impetus to to banks, or do you think the banks are just going to go cap in hand to the government vis a vis every other financial crisis? Uh, look, I mean the banks the banks have had very low um, bad debts for a very long time, mm. so uh, they've certainly got scope to 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 take the first bit of it, and 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 you would need a quite a deep housing crisis for it to turn into to something bigger, um, where where you do see um, significant. You know, concern about the, the whether the banks will survive or not. I think uh, it, it history tends to show that people will tough it out, and mm. and and um, as long as they have a job. Mm. And so that's your big thing. Watching is your unemployment rate, and 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 you don't need big movements in 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 unemployment rates to to, to really start seeing some effects on the housing market. Mm. But um, I guess from an investment perspective, it, it still comes back to that. Um, if the credit's not available, then um, then we'll continue to see this. Yep. Uh, it, if people have overborrowed, um, what that means is that means slower growth going forward. So you basically just brought forward, um, you know, your next twenty years worth of now you've got to slog this out and, and pay pay your loan down, and, and a lot mm-hmm. of people will. But it means they'll be spending less money elsewhere. Mm, okay. And so that's that's probably the the bigger effect is that um, 
it's great while you you know while the party's happening and mm-hmm. and um, the alcohol's flowing. Yep. Um, you know everyone's having a great time and and bidding house prices up and looking at how much paper wealth and all that type of stuff. Yep. And um, you still have to go. You know the next day though. Um, you know, it's it's you've brought your happiness forward, and, and now you got to uh, <laughs> deal with the hangover. You got to deal with hangover, and so and that will take the time to to work out the um uh and and so the, you know, if defaults in in some cases are going to be the best bet for mm. people because they will be able to default, and then right, okay, now I can get on with my life and and don't have this sort of you know million dollar mortgage hanging over your head. Mm. Um, whereas there will be other people who will just slog it out, and they'll end up you know at the end of their life with a a half million dollar million dollar mortgage. Yep. When, you know when they could have had a could have spent all that time spending their money on on other things. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Mm. Okay. Very good. Um, and from our uh, perspective with the portfolios, there's been no real change. Uh... No, it's a confirmation that uh, you know the the housing um, market is there's there's no real end in sight. Uh, I think there was there was a bit of hope that um, from from I guess the 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 bulls that um, and, and certainly there was a you know, discussion around that that. Once the report was out and, and banks had some clarity, but mm. um, you know, as, as we spoke with Phil, uh, there's not clarity around what they what they are and aren't allowed to be lending. Mm-hmm. Which means um, if you're a bank that's out there going to try and lend um, prolifically to all these people that are using um, lower, you know, hems and stuff like that, um, you're very distinctly running the the risk of going to jail for um, mm. for the, for those. And so until there's there's clarity back, um, you know, we don't expect. Uh, that, that lending to pick up and as we spoke about you know you probably at least six months to a, to a year yep you know, would be your absolute best case of getting some some um, clarity on this and it's probably you know longer than that yeah sure um, and I guess just finally in, in a bit of, bit of review on of the what Phil was saying vis-a-vis the housing market mm. um, we've got uh, for our investors obviously there's the ability to X out Aussie banks and financial institutions and now we're looking at bringing in our new option which is the uh, limiting Exposure to the Australian housing market as well. Yeah, so I mean, we 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 already within our own uh, investment, we're we're already limiting that. But um, yeah, we've sort of thought that we've had a number of people who were obviously quite concerned about it. Yep. And so um, for some people, they just want to go zero in yep. terms of in terms of that. And okay. So that's um, yeah, we've got that option for people who who don't want any exposure to to any sort of property markets, uh, mm-hmm. you know, any banking or uh, any sort of that discretionary retail part, the sort of the Harvey Normans type type companies that yep. that are that are very dependent upon the housing market. Okay, yeah, sure. We're looking forward to seeing uh, how much support that one gets with all our uh, new investors and, and current investors. Thanks, Damien. Thanks, Ed. Well, that's it for now, and thanks for watching. If you like what you heard today and you'd like to hear more, head over to nucleuswealth.com forward slash subscribe, give us your email address, and in return, we'll send you a weekly email with new webinar topics, links for our podcasts, and other news from Nucleus Wealth. I certainly hope you've got something out of today, as I have, and we'll look forward to catching you with the next one. Cheers.